Well, hey, everyone, this is Heidi St. John. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, Yesterday, we talked about the Christian solution to evil. What does the Bible say about evil? And today, uh, we're going to continue the conversation about transgenderism and what's happening in the culture today. My guest is Ken Ham, who is the CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis. And we're recording today from the Ark Encounter. If you've never been here, you need to come. Stick around. This is going to be a great conversation, and you're not going to want to miss it. All right, I'm going to jump right in today. My guest is Ken Ham, who's become a dear friend of mine. He is the founder of Answers in Genesis. You guys have heard me talk about this dozens of times here at the show. And I've asked him to come and talk about what is happening in the culture right now, specifically as it relates to the transgender movement in light of the shootings that we just saw happen in Nashville a couple of days ago. This is an important conversation, but God's word has the answers for it. Ken, welcome. Hey, thank you. It's great to be with you. And if I might say, by the way, a lot of people uh, are looking at the symptoms of a problem and they're trying to deal with the symptoms. And one of the things we need to do is to deal with the problem. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is a foundational one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, as I say to people, look, if you look in America, I mean, you go back generations, right? Even non-Christians, by and large, believe marriage was between a man and a woman that there are only two genders, male and female, that abortion was wrong, and so on. The Judeo-Christian ethic that came out of the Bible permeated the nation, even even permeated the education system too, mm-hmm. to a degree. But what, what we've seen happen in subsequent generations, they've been indoctrinated against the Bible. Uh, they've been indoctrinated in evolutionary uh, ideas, uh, naturalism, which is atheism, that everything can be explained without God. There is no God. And when you take away that foundation of the absolute authority, then ultimately anything goes. And what we're seeing is the younger generations have been progressively more secularized. And so that curtain, if you like, in a way, there was a curtain masking the reality of what was going on behind the scenes. Because that curtain was that Judeo-Christian ethic that sort of masked a battle that's been going on for 6,000 years. It started in a garden mm-hmm. 6,000 years ago, a battle between God's word and man's word. Obey God, no, you be your own God. Uh, Genesis 3, 1, Genesis 3, 5, don't believe God, uh, the devil said. But what's happened is as the as younger generations become progressively more secularized, that curtain has been drawn apart. And we're now seeing that spiritual battle raging Uh, in a way that we haven't seen it before because the younger generations no longer have even a respect for the Bible. The older generations, even if they weren't Christians, still had a respect for the Bible. But that's basically gone with the younger generation. I mean, Generation Z is the first post-Christian generation and totally secularized. And now when you're totally secularized, that means in every area you're looking at everything from a perspective of your, your own depraved hearts mm-hmm. out of the abundance of the heart the man the man speaks in other words it's your heart and the scripture warns us you know for those for those that are not redeemed we know that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and so out of that also comes this worldview of secular of sexual humanism yeah. and sexual humanism is you can do whatever you want you uh, anything goes in regard to sex in regard to all those sorts of issues And so what we're seeing is that there's been a change Mm -hmm. in our culture 
from those who built their thinking on God's word, even if they weren't Christians, but still had a respect for God's word as the absolute authority. But once you remove that as the absolute authority, you make man the authority, then man becomes his own God, which was the temptation in Genesis 3, 5. You can be as God. And then we want to do what we want to do. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. And we're in that circumstance right now. We, we need to understand that this is a spiritual battle. It's a foundational battle. It's a battle between two religions, between God's word and man's word, uh, because ultimately there are only two religions. It, they distill down to God's word, man's word. And that's the battle. So that's the battle that's raging around us right now. And what we're seeing in regard to the transgender movement, here's something we need to understand. And that is this. Uh, a lot of people uh, will look and say, how do we deal with all these problems? I mean, we've got the abortion problem. We've got the mm -hmm. gender problem. We've got the euthanasia problem. We, we have the pedophilia problem. We've got all these problems. And I say, no, you're looking at it the wrong way. No, no. They're all symptoms of the one problem. In other words, they're all the same problem. So here's the thing we have to understand. How do you deal with the transgender issue? Actually, the same way you would deal with the abortion issue, the same way in an ultimate sense. They're all symptoms of the problem. What's the problem? They have the wrong foundation of man's word. So what's the solution? Well, the solution has always been the same. The solution has always been God's word and the saving gospel. I mean, even, even in Genesis, after Adam rebelled and sin came into the world, God promised a savior. The solution has always been that. It's always been the truth of God's word and the saving gospel. And so if we just battle at the worldview level and we don't deal with the foundational issue, which is a spiritual problem, it's a state of the heart. If we don't deal with that, uh, in the long run, you're not gonna be able to deal with the worldview issues. That, that's the point that we need to get. Yeah, I agree. And we're we're really living uh, in a perfect storm for this, right? It's the it's ripe for the pickings because you're talking about a modern church in American culture that has a biblical literacy rate that's just skyrocketed. We don't know God's word and we can't defend it. We've allowed all kinds of, of secular ideas to permeate the church. This goes right down to the creation of the world, which you've been talking about now for decades. And the church deciding, well, God doesn't really mean that. Maybe he didn't mean it this way. Or maybe this is, maybe this is just God saying, uh, you take this however you want to, thousands of years, millions of years, it doesn't really matter. But it all matters, right? Because you just said, this is a foundational problem. And if the foundations are not correct, we can't build anything on it. You know, we have, I would describe it as a very lukewarm church. It's sort of like Absolutely. a Laodicean church yeah. that we read in Revelation. Very lukewarm church today. And why is that? One of the things I've noticed, you know, I've, I've traveled around a lot like you have. I mean, I've traveled to countries all around the world. I've traveled for the past 40 years or more. And I've seen church after church after church after church. And you know what? I, I see patterns. And you know the pattern that I see? More and more, a lot of churches, the emphasis is on entertainment from the front and it's on music. Now, don't get me wrong, I love music, right? I play piano. Right, <laughs> I, love, I know. I love music. Yeah. <laughs> and we have our own resident artists here at the uh, Ark Counter and the Creation Museum and they give concerts here yeah. and I sometimes go on there with them and, yes. and that sort of thing. So I don't want people to misunderstand me here, but it's the emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. And the emphasis is on music and the teaching of the word is very shallow. A lot of times it's just human examples. It's not really from the word. The church is not teaching apologetics, how to defend the faith. And if you think about it, the majority of churches, look, I'll probably get in the trouble for saying this. Well, that's but, unusual but, for you. <laughs> but, but if you take, 
a lot of the Southern Baptist churches, right? Now we got a lot of friends, I got a lot of pastors I, I know that help me in to speak and so on. But a lot of them have so endorsed the secular education yes. system yep. and and almost made people feel guilty if you're not putting your kids in that system to witness for the gospel. But you see, you've got to stand back and say, but wait a minute, how can kids go out there and be salt until they have salt? That's what the scripture says. And if the salt's contaminated, it's good for nothing. We need to be raising up generations filled with salt, biblical truth, and prepared for the world and, and what the world is doing to attack God's word. Is, I call it the Genesis 3 attack. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians eleven three. Beware, the devil's going to use the same method on you as he did on Eve, which is to attack the word of God. We need to prepare generations like that first so they then can go out to the world. We've handed them to the world and wonder why they think like the world. Right. And they get this foundation of man's word. They've thrown God out. Um, and those that are still in our churches, most of our Christian leaders, not all, but the majority have said, don't worry about Genesis. You can believe what you taught at school, abolition, religion. that doesn't matter, Johnny. Trust in Jesus. But Johnny starts to recognize, you know, if this part of the Bible is not true, then what other parts are not true? Then what other parts are not true? Yeah. And it's the devil's way of, if you can start to create that doubt and you unlock that door of doubt, mm -hmm. that door opens further and further to unbelief and they walk away from the church. And the other thing is this, Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything. Everything. It's a foundation for all doctrine. It's a foundation for the rest of the Bible, for our Christian worldview, for everything. It's the foundation for marriage. God created marriage, you know, not Joe Biden or the Supreme Court justices. Yep. And right? they won't be able to redefine it God, because it will always be what God said it is. A, yeah, but, yeah. But the devil always takes what God's done and perverts it. You mm -hmm. see that over and over again. But if you haven't given that foundation to generations, and most pastors, I find even a lot of conservative pastors, don't want to speak on Genesis 1 to 11 because it'll create division in the church. Actually, division is not a bad thing. Paul even says in Corinthians, division's a good thing some, sometimes to see who really is standing on God's word. Um, and, and they don't want to create division. Sometimes they think it is they don't want to lose, lose someone's offerings or something like that. But if you haven't given that foundation of Genesis 1 to 11, they don't have the foundation for marriage and you've let them have the foundation they got in the public school and 80 to 85% of kids from church homes go to the public schools. And you have said to them, you can believe a million years, it doesn't matter. You don't get that from Scripture. That's outside of Scripture. So you're taking man's ideas to the Bible. Once you unlock that door, you can take evolution out to the Bible. You can take millions of years out to the Bible. Why shouldn't they take man's view of marriage and add it to the Bible? You see, it unlocks a door to say, we can, we can start out here with man's view and be an authority over God's word, which is Genesis 3.1. Did God really say and, you know, when you look at it, Genesis 3.1 and Genesis 3.5, which is the temptation there of the devil um, when, when he tempted Eve and, and Adam, uh, who was there with her when, when he tempted here, that sums up the sin nature of man. We sinned in Adam. And our sin nature is defined by Genesis 3, verse 1 and verse 5 there, in other words, our heart is we would rather believe the word of man than the word of God. I see that in the church all the time where Christian leaders would rather believe the word of academics out here, the secular academics and others, rather than the clear word of God. And secondly, we want to be our own God. We want to decide truth for ourselves. Mm. And when churches haven't taught that the Bible is the absolute authority of the word of God, here's a problem. 
One of the things that you find today, I'm sure you, you, you found this, Heidi, but I found with some of these uh, younger people, even in our churches, they will say things like, I I know I'm, I'm a male, but I, I really feel I should be a female. And so there's this emphasis on feelings. And if you think about it, a lot of what they've done in churches is to make church more experiential emotional. and more emotional. Uh-huh. In other words, it's your feelings that it's mm-hmm. what comes from you. And a lot of our modern songs mm-hmm. actually are more focused on you and who you are and your true. feelings, yes. right? And here's what we should be teaching them. You can't trust your feelings. We should have been teaching them the absolute authority of the Word of God. I mean, my, my mother... Uh, and my father, obviously, but uh, we're, um, you know, we're about to speak at a women's conference. And one of the things that, um, that I want to do is, is concentrate a bit on my godly mother and talk about her. But she would always drum into us, make sure you learn your Bible verses, you know. Um, Thy word have I hid in my heart so I might not sin against thee. Yeah, I learned them in the King James. Uh, He gave it away at D. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, that that was the Bible we had uh, when we grew up. Um, But my parents always taught me, you got to judge what you believe and you think against the absolute authority of the Word of God. And, you know, God gives a warning in regard to Cain. If you think about Cain, what what did God say? Cain. Uh, sin desires you your sin nature wants to master you right Um, don't let it master you Mm. because Cain had this problem he was jealous of his brother Abel and angry because you know of of the uh, his sacrifice accepted and so but Cain had a heart problem right Mm -hmm. and what happened he let his sin his feelings from his depraved nature. And God warned him. Master, God warned him. God warned him. Master him. And look what happened. He mm-hmm. killed his brother Abel. He did evil things. Mm-hmm. Well, we should be teaching young people today. You can't trust your feelings. If we had have taught them the absolute authority of the word of God, how do you teach them that when we're telling them, you don't need to believe Genesis, doesn't matter, this bit, we don't know, and don't worry about all those things out there that you're being told that undermine the Bible. That doesn't really matter. Just trust in Jesus, Johnny. And it becomes a more experiential thing. And we wonder right. why they succumb to their feelings. See, see, we've got to understand no one is neutral. No person is neutral. Atheists are not neutral. No one is neutral. You're either for Christ or against. You walk in light or darkness. You gather or scatter. You build your house on the rock or the sand. Uh, and and as, you, as we understand that if we've taught them correctly, then they would realize the scripture also says, and God promises, there's no temptation we can't overcome in Christ. And you know what? Our hearts go out to people because, Heidi, there are people out there that really have weaknesses in different Mm -hmm. areas and they can have a weakness in this area of gender Mm -hmm. as well. But if we've taught them correctly, they should be able to stand back and say, but wait a minute, what does God's word say? There's only two genders, Mm -hmm. male and female. There's no other option. Science confirms that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, females have a pair of sex chromosomes, XX, males have XY. And so... Um, and, and when they bring up things like exceptions and they say, but what about people? Which are so X's? rare anyway. I well, mean, it's just they, so rare. They're less than, they're a fraction of 1%. Yes, yeah. And yet they've built, they've built an entire oh. industry and, on this fraction that's less than 1%. And if you think about it, if it's such a small percentage, that's not the order of things. Right. There must be another reason for it. By the way, do you know how to understand the other reason for it? Genesis. Mm. Because it's a fallen world. 
now there can be mutations and mistakes because God placed upon us the curse of death, everything runs down, and so it's not perfect anymore. And But it's not just in the sex chromosomes. You can get mistakes in other chromosomes as well. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't negate the created order. It reminds us we're living in a fallen world. And our hearts need to go out to those people, you know. And, and people who have weaknesses in these areas. Some people can have a weakness in regard to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Some can have a weakness in regard to... Uh, you know, they can get addicted to, to nicotine. Maybe. Well, there are people who say um, they have a hard time staying in monogamous relationships. So then do we excuse adultery? Exactly. Right. You know, but and the thing we need to understand is all of us, God promised us, if we look to him mm-hmm. and look to his word and, and, and we trust in Christ, we can overcome those temptations. It's hard. Mm-hmm. We might be people helping us, but we can overcome those mm-hmm. uh, in Christ. But don't let your feelings cause sin to master your life and do something which is against what God has said. And we haven't raised up generations in our churches like that. We just haven't done it. No, we haven't. And I think we're, we're really reaping now. We're beginning to, to reap the storm that mm-hmm. we've been sowing wind for generations in this country. Well, can I, can I say something that will get me into trouble again? Right? <laughs> I've already said some things that will get me into trouble, right? And that is a lot of Christians tend to look at the world and say, look how bad the world is. I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think they should say, what has the church I done? I agree. Look how bad yeah. the church is. Yeah. There's something wrong here. Yeah. I mean, 75 to 80% of people attended church in the 1700s in America. Mm-hmm. Now Generation Z is less than 9%. Mm-hmm. Look at England, less than 4% church attendance overall. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. So the church will be looking at itself and saying, what have we done wrong? What have we not done? There's something we've done. Mm-hmm. One of the things they did was hand generations of kids over to the world and say, you train them. They're, yeah. They'll be like the Israelites sending their kids to the Philistines well, to be trained. Well, we're used to that now, right? And, oh, and frankly, yeah. we've done it inside the church too. Like parents come to church and they drop their children off in Sunday school. Yeah. Now, I'm not anti-Sunday school. I'm just right. saying the parents have abdicated their responsibility. Oh, and so the, fa- the spiritual training to the pastor, yep. the educational training to schools and to the public school system, we send our kids to Rome for education and we wonder why they come out Romans. Exactly. I mean, what do you expect? It, see, people, people again, have not been taught by the church. They think secular is neutral. Right. Secular is not neutral. No. The Bible makes it clear you're either for Christ or against. So if the education system is not for, it is... Against. Okay, so are you sending your kids to a system that is against Mm -hmm. God? Mm -hmm. And you see, it is true that the Judeo-Christian ethic permeated the education system once, as it did did the whole of America. Mm -hmm. And so there was a sort of a Christianized morality and, you know, the Bible was allowed to be in school and the libraries and things. And, and I think and, Christians and, felt safe and, in that, right? They felt safe because it, it had a, a sort of moral a, foundation. Yeah, it had, had a moral foundation that, that came out of the scripture. Uh-huh. But once you throw the scripture out and if man is the foundation, then anything goes. Mm-hmm. You know, remember when uh, the man came to Jesus and said, good master. Uh, and Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that is God. How can you determine good without one who is absolutely good? Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. It's, it, then, you, then your definition of good is all relative. Mm-hmm. Your definition of right and wrong, it's all relative. Everything is subjective. Mm-hmm. And so everyone can have a different, if you like, morality. Mm-hmm. Because... You think about it, if there's no God, how can you say to someone, you must have the same right and wrong as me? 
which is interesting because uh, this brings it back to the fact we've got to recognize this is a spiritual issue. When I have these LGBT people saying to me, but we only want freedom for our views. Well, no, they don't. They don't want freedom. They want total compliance total and acceptance. Total capitulation, right? yeah. And anything and, else will be punished. I mean, right. that's, that's the world view. So, and they say, we allow all views. Well, no, you don't. Don't allow the And Christian they say, view. you're the one that don't, don't okay. allow all views. They say, wait a minute. You're not allowing my view built on the Bible. There's only two genders. Right. And they say, yeah, but now you're, but now you're against our view. That's hate speech. Wait a minute, but you're not allowing my view. So that's and speech the speech is now violence. And exactly. Yeah. And that's the worldview clash. And the more that we see the secular worldview dominate the culture, which it is now, because we've allowed it to happen, and we've got younger generations that are secular in their thinking, because the, the church handed those kids over to the world, and the church didn't train them with the right foundation. That's right. And now we're seeing that become the dominant view. What happens? Those who don't have that worldview, we're considered the enemy. We're considered the ones that are full of hate. We're considered the intolerant ones because ours is a minority worldview. So the majority, and they have the ear of the media, Mm. the secular media, so they can then indoctrinate people. These are the enemy. And now we're seeing them rise up against the enemy. And when you think of you know, the increasing violence in this nation and directed at Christians, which we're going to see more and more uh, because of that, it's no different to going back to the days of the Romans when the Christians were thrown to the lions yeah. and so on. Because mm-hmm. you look back then and say, how could they do that? They're starting to do the same sorts of things today. Yeah, and the door is, is open wide for persecution now against mm-hmm. against anyone who holds to a Christian worldview. Uh, I'm going to get us both in trouble here because I want to uh, touch on something that I think is very important. Several weeks ago, the Gospel Coalition hosted a very well-known Bible teacher, Jen Wilkin, uh, and, an, and another a pastor to talk about the importance of education. And she uh, she proceeded to give uh, basically an apologetic as to why they decided to put their children into the public school system. She said, my children were not there to proselytize. They understood that their children were there just to get an education. And I was very... Uh, alarmed. I appreciated the tone in which they had the conversation. I think it's an important conversation to be had. But the lack of understanding about the importance of education. Jesus said in Luke 640 that when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his teacher. And I'm curious to know what your perspective is on the importance of education in the culture right now and how every Christian family should be framing this conversation when it comes to the education of their children. Can I get myself into trouble again? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll get myself into trouble again. And uh, that is that um, the Gospel Coalition don't take a stand on Genesis like we do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And if you don't have that foundation in Genesis, then you don't understand worldview. And if you've seen some of the latest statistics, like since 6% of people in the church have a Christian worldview, Mm -hmm. I'd say it's much less than that. I think so too. Because those that are doing the research aren't even asking questions about Genesis like they should. Yeah. You know, the detailed questions. Less than 6% of Christian schools teach a biblical worldview. I think it's less than that. And it comes down to not understanding worldview. Mm -hmm. It comes down to not understanding when your kids go to the secular schools and not just getting what you call an education. That's right. They're getting a religion, Yep. right? Everyone has a religion. Your religion is your set of glasses you have on, if you like. Everyone has a set of glasses on. You 
either start from God's word or man's word, and you have a set of glasses, which is a worldview that comes out of that, and you're looking at the world. You, you, you know, no one is neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, and education and, and is fact, not neutral. Parents need fact, to understand that. It's not neutral. And kids are already biased against God, mm-hmm. right, because we have a sinful heart. Mm-hmm. And the secular education system is imposing not just secular humanism, but secular humanism, part of that is sexual humanism. Mm-hmm. So anything goes in that. And how could you send your kids to that? It means you don't understand worldview. You don't recognize that everyone has a religion. Mm-hmm. And you don't understand what's going on and what education is all about. For the Christian, education is not just adding the Bible to your thinking. The Bible is a revelation from God who knows everything, mm-hmm. and he's revealed to us the key information to have the right foundation to build your thinking. For, for instance, when people say, how do, how, do we, how do we deal with death and suffering and, and equate that with a loving God? How do you fit that into the Bible? Wrong question. You don't. You start from the Bible to understand the origin of death, mm. to understand because of sin came death, when, and, and then to understand our worldview built on that is we're not looking at the world as God made it. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a groaning world, Romans 8.22, because of sin. Mm-hmm. So, And that is not God's fault, it's our fault. But you teach them millions of years and you allow them millions of years, then all this death and suffering has gone on for millions of years and that's God's fault, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And God calls it all very good because... Uh, after he made man, he said everything he made is very good. If you've got all this death and struggle for millions of years, and all that is very good. See, no wonder these kids come out and 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 they they think as secular humanists. Yep. But it, and and just um, from a, a perspective of statistics, Heidi, the majority of kids from church homes have not survived the public education system. Now you're going to, but you hear from the people who say, well, my kids went through the public education system and they were just fine. That was Jen Wilkins point. She said that they put their kids into the public schools and their kids came out just fine. But she also said, we were there all the time. We took them out of everything else. They weren't in sports. They weren't in theater. It's a full-time job to undo the indoctrination that's happening in the public schools every day. And I would say they didn't survive the way she thinks. Mm. I'll guarantee that they have been secularized in many ways. Yeah, yeah. All of us actually think in secular ways we don't even realize Mm -hmm. we've been impacted. They can't go through the education system and not be impacted. Maybe she means they've kept their Christian faith, right? Mm -hmm. And if so, I mean, that's fantastic if so. But if so, it's the exception. And not the rule. So why should you take the exception and and then... cause other people to put their kids in there and they lose their kids because they weren't able to do the things you do. And some kids, just because of who they are, are can be stronger than others, yes. but they are the exception. They're yeah. not the rule. Yeah, it's so true. And it's a dangerous game. I and mean, we're playing a you're dangerous pl- game with our children. You're playing with the eternity yes. of these kids. Yeah. And when you look at the fact, you can't deny the fact the majority have not survived. Mm-hmm. So you can't use the exception and say everyone should do that. Mm-hmm. You can't do yeah, that. It's what, true. If, what you do with your kids is up to you. It's between you and the Lord. Um, it's um, your decision. I, I realize there's all sorts of reasons why people make decisions. What I say is this, to the best of our ability and the circumstances we're in, we should be trying to do what God's word says about training children. Mm. And understand this, the most important part of education 
ultimately is spiritual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would rather our kids be ditch diggers and go to heaven than some famous academic and go to hell. I mean, there's a bottom line. Right. That's true. And I think parents today need to really understand that the front lines of the culture war that we're in, this this spiritual battle, is education. Mm -hmm. And every day, hundreds of thousands of parents pack their kids, a sack lunch, pat them on the head, and put them on a little yellow bus that takes them to the front lines of the assault against their mind and their soul. Well, how did God set up education? Right? The family is the first and most fundamental of all human institutions God ordained in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And the family is the educational unit of the nation. God uses the family to transmit that spiritual legacy, transfer it from one generation to the next, and to impact the world around. Mm -hmm. We should be raising up godly generations who marry godly generations, who impact the world for the Lord, and then raise up godly generations. And when you look at all the issues today, whether it's abortion, the gender issue, the gay marriage issue, the pedophilia issue, euthanasia, you realize they're all a war on the family. Yes, 100%. And they're really all a war on children. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately is a war on Creator God. It's a war. Because this is it, how he It set actually it up. is a war on God. Yes. And that's what it's all about. And the devil knows if you want to destroy. Uh, Christianity, Mm -hmm. not that he ever can, Mm -hmm. but if you want to do that, you've got to destroy the family. And that's why so much of an attack on the family and most of the church has succumbed. Mm -hmm. What do you make of what just happened at this Christian school in Nashville with this transgender individual who opened fire, obviously, a former student, uh, clearly mental and emotional issues that we're making all kinds of excuses for. It's interesting to me to note that it didn't take more than 24 hours for the narrative of the mainstream media to feel more sorry for the shooter shooter Mm. than for these families who Mm. lost loved ones. And and that shows you the real spiritual nature of the battle that's going on there. And, you know, I mean, those things, you must admit, we, we all grapple with that. It doesn't matter who we are. We say, Lord... It's so understand, so hard to understand. Yeah, could, you, could you put yourself in the position of a mother and, and her nine-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and that's and now she's gone, send her to school and won't see her again till, mm-hmm. till heaven? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, the grief is, is terrible. And yet, God still reminds us of something. Um, you go to the book of Job. See, there were things going on behind the scenes that Job didn't know about, right? He, he didn't know what God had allowed the devil to do and so on. And think of all the death, mm-hmm. uh, losing his children. And he all, lost everything. All, and, he, and he lost everything. And then his friends were counseling him and their counsel was bad and all the rest of it. His wife was terrible. And, and, and so God, uh, Job wanted to argue with God, right? And then God said, Job, now listen to me. Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know this? Were you there? Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I lay the foundations of the earth. And can you bind the Pleiades? Can you do this? Can you do that? And at the end of that, Job recognized something that that we all have to recognize. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to say it's hard to do it as as a fallible human being in a a horrible world and, and grieving loss. But there comes a time when we have to do it. And that is Job said, Lord, I now see who you really are. You know all things. I repent in dust and ashes. Mm -hmm. 
he recognized, and we've got to recognize, we know nothing compared to what God knows. And think about it. When you look at evil like that, if there's a good God, as we're saying there is, then evil must be compatible with a good God and a loving God. So is it possible there are morally commendable reasons for something that we don't understand? Mm -hmm. Right? Think of the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. Evil event. But it had a morally good reason. Mm -hmm. Salvation. Yeah. Right? So is it possible there are things we don't know that God does because he is infinite knowledge and wisdom Mm -hmm. that... Again, it's an easy verse to quote. All things work together for him, for those that love him and so on. But if we stand back and let God be God, sometimes you can look back and see how God used circumstances in ways that you never imagined to impact people. Sometimes we can't see it all and mm-hmm. won't till heaven. Mm-hmm. But isn't that what faith is all about and trusting God, that that he, he tells us what the problem is, it's our sin. Mm-hmm. We think we can morally judge a circumstance. You know, how could God do this? But we're not God. We think we're God, but we can't do that. And we can ask why, and and, and we can grapple with it. That's true, and struggle with it. But in the end, we have to say, but we're not God. Mm. And God knows everything, and he's in charge of everything, as hard as that is for us to to, to come to grips with. And we've got to let God be God. Mm. And stand back and do that. And, um, you know, my mother had to do that in regard to my father. She lived 25 years without him. He passed away at, at, a, at a young age. Um, I had a younger brother who passed away at 45. And my mother had to deal with that. And she, she struggled and she found that hard. And yet she had to recognise she had to let God be God and God has purposes beyond what we could ever imagine. And it's that foundation she has because she knows that God is God and she knows that he's good. And I I find myself reminding parents, especially now who are struggling, a lot of, uh, I mean, teenage suicide is up, uh, you know, a thousand percent right now. We're watching the, the nation and the world really grappling with these spiritual realities. But for the Christian, we come back to the, the knowledge of our creator, God, that he loves us, that even while we were shaking our fist in his face, he was devising a plan to send his son. He loves us. He's and, good. And, and, you know, I think there's another failure of the church. I don't think a lot of people, because the, the, way, the way they do things in a lot of these, a lot of churches today, I think, doesn't address the holiness of God yeah. and the nature of our sin. Mm-hmm. What does that really mean? What does it mean that God is holy? Wait, that's a failure of the modern worship culture. It is. For sure. Yeah. It is. And I don't think we understand we deserve nothing. Yeah. We We deserve death. This world, even in the church, we focus on ourselves. Yes. The focus should be on the Lord Jesus Christ. The focus should be on him. And I think a lot of our modern worship focuses on man. Mm Right? We've got to stop focusing on men because you realize that's what the climate cult does, mm-hmm. uh, which is an, a, a religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we see happening today in the whole transgender movement, everything is a focus upon men. 
And the churches even, in many ways, help that to mm-hmm. tell people you focus upon you. Well, we see no. this in celebrity Christian culture. We do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Focus should be on God. It mm-hmm. should be on the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then recognizing we actually deserve nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what did Paul say? Oh, wretched man that I am, who mm-hmm. can deliver me from this bondage of sin and death? Mm-hmm. We, don't even exi- we don't even deserve to exist. When we rebelled in Adam, we, we committed high treason mm-hmm. against a holy God. But as undeserving as we are, he loved us so much that he provided a way of salvation yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, to, to sum it up, really, I think it would be this. You remember the account in Scripture when Jesus said, now this tower that fell on 18 people and killed them, were they worse sinners than others? And you know what his answer was? Repent. Mm-hmm. In other words... Why did these people die? You want to talk about death? Repent. Mm -hmm. That was their turn to die. Our our years Mm -hmm. that we're going to live actually written down. Yeah, they've been predetermined. Psalm 139 Mm -hmm. says before there was any of them. Right? And so... You're going to... One day you're going to die. Everyone's under, under the condemnation of death. And... You need to make sure your heart is right with the Lord. That's the most important thing is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than that. You know, it's interesting when I look at uh, what was happening, you know, when the media responded to the trend, to to that transgender person mm-hmm. shooting uh, these these kids, tragic, terrible, and, and what they've been saying and so on. And, and I don't, I'm not going to get into the gun debate, right? But... Mm-hmm. I want to make a point about it, and that is they're trying to, they immediately focus on guns, not the person Mm -hmm. and not the problem they had. It's not the person. It's not that person's fault. It's the gun, right? Right. But those same uh, media people condone the brutal killing of of many, many children every day in their mother's wombs. So they should be blaming the instruments that the abortionist is using, right? Mm-hmm. But no, they condone child sacrifice to the mm-hmm. God of self because that's them being their own God. Mm-hmm. And yet they look at what's happening out there and someone kills someone and they say, oh, this is this is terrible, this is a problem. They've already condoned murder. Mm-hmm. They're hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Well, and I noted uh, Ben Shapiro said this morning, you know, because the gun debate rages obviously in this country and every time there's a shooting, it's front and center again. But he was rightly pointing out that there have been millions of guns in this country for hundreds of years. And it's only now that we're seeing these sort of mass shootings. And we need to make the connection between the depravity of man and the spiritual. I mean, our nation is soul sick. We are sick in our soul. We have turned our backs on God. We removed him from our education system, removed him from our government. And we're reaping the the consequences of our decision to rebel against God. And that is the problem. And then you look at Romans 1. Yes, we're living it. Romans 1, they worship the creature rather than the creator. Yeah. It's, and, and, and even the climate change cult is it's a worship a of man, yes. yep. that man can save himself, mm-hmm. and that man can save the world. Boy, that is the worship um, of the creation. If ever there was one, it, it is. The, the climate change and, cult is, yeah. And Because I heard um, John Kerry mm-hmm. when he was at the World Economic Forum, and he said there's a group of elite people they're going to save mankind and save the planet. Amazing. And you just stand back and look Hubris. Like, wow, there it is right there. The worship of man. Man can save yeah. himself. They, yeah. they don't look to, 
to Christ to save. Mm-hmm. They look to themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and and from their perspective, they don't believe there's God when they die. That's the end of it. Why do they care? Mm-hmm. I don't even get that. Why are they even worrying about mm-hmm. this? You know. But if you go back to Romans 1, though, um, it, it says when people rebel against God and worship the, the creation rather than the creator, and then God turns them over to their depraved hearts, mm-hmm. what's a sign of that and you can you can go through the sequence it's basically a sexual revolution yes. and a homosexual revolution yeah and now we 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 got just sexual humanism rampant mm-hmm. i believe it's god turning people over to, to their depraved natures mm-hmm. as part of the judgment of god yeah and there's no there's no question in my mind that we are a nation under judgment and we yep. were ripe for judgment yep. and so god's people in the church and this is where my heart breaks. It's the reason why I love partnering with you guys and what you're doing. You know, those of us who have been walking with the Lord a long time, our hearts are heavy mm-hmm. and 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 they're breaking because we see where this is going. Yeah. It's not going to stop. It's going to continue to get worse. And we saw this in COVID, the irresponsible uh, nature of our pastors and so many of our churches in the country right now who are really unhinged from scripture yeah. and don't know God's word. And, and yet this problem. is where we are. Yeah, we need to know God's word. And, you know, I I feel a real burden when I think about our grandchildren. Yeah, I do too. I mean, you know, I'm Well, you've got I'm, more I'm grandkids older. than I do. I've only got four. <laughs> we got eight, we got 18. <laughs> and, and, ahead of me. and one great-grandchild on the way. No kidding. Yeah. Congratulations. I didn't know that. So, but I look at them and think, what are they going to be growing up in? Yeah. Because for me, I'm, I'm older, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I, I can be out of here one day, mm-hmm. right? But... I look at them and say, wow, they're growing up in a whole different culture than one we grew yes, up in. Yes, indeed. And we need to really um, make sure that we give them that solid foundation. Mm-hmm. They're going to need that for the future. Yeah, they really are. I was uh, speaking to an audience in Texas a couple of days ago and telling them, I am raising, you know, our, the youngest of our seven is 12, but our oldest daughter is in her 30s now, our oldest two. And I'm raising my 12-year-old in a completely different world than I raised my, 30, uh, my 30-year-old children in. Uh, because the world has shifted and it's because we have become unhinged from yep. the word of God. And really, you can you trace that back to the failure of the church to stay engaged with scripture and I, to pass it to the it next generation. It is a massive failure of the church. It is. And uh, can I give you some good news and bad news? I love good news. Give me some. Well, let me give you the bad news. Okay, first. we'll start with the bad news. <laughs> <laughs> People say we're living in the days of Noah. Um you know, uh, look how bad things are. I, let me give you the good news. This is nothing like the days of Noah. Yeah, there was no one righteous in the days of Noah. There were only eight went through that door to be saved. Yes. Right? Yeah. There are millions of people in America who love the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, I, a lot of the people who come here to the Ark and Creation Museum, they, they ask me a question. Do you know a church in our area that stands on God's word like you do? Because we can't find one. It's the most asked question we get Heidi. That's actually, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that was one of the questions that I'd written down for you. How do people find a good church? It, what should they look for? It's not the size of the church, not the size of nope. the parking lot, not the size of your children's ministry, not how great your worship team is, right. not how many albums you put out. Right. What should they be looking for? A church that stands solidly on the word of God, that teaches scripture, yep. that teaches them to build their thinking on God's word, that equips them with answers to the attacks of our day so they know how to deal with uh, the issues of our day. And so you don't just want a church that's entertainment and, 
you know, experiential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the trouble is, um, not only do you have a lot of these churches that are more experiential and entertainment-based, you also um, have a lot of churches that aren't teaching them God's Word mm-hmm. as they should or have compromised God's Word. Um, how many churches really teach Genesis 1 to 11 as right. the foundation for everything? And it is. All doctrine is founded in Genesis 1 to 11. Mm-hmm. You want to deal with any issue, abortion, gender, mm-hmm. gay marriage, euthanasia, pedophilia, you've got to start with Genesis 1 to 11. Yeah. Look for a church that does that. They're rare. They're rare, but they're but there. They're, but they're there. Hey, that's a good one. We should start saying that. They're yeah, rare, but they're, they're there. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Uh, speaking of that, I have just written a brand new study that's going to be releasing at my women's ministry uh, called Supernatural, Having a Creator Changes Everything. It's a study of Genesis 1 to 11. And you're coming on. I don't know if you remember this, but you're coming on to answer questions from listeners live oh. uh, next month. So I'm really? excited about that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for letting me know. You're welcome. <laughs> Anything I could do to help you out. That's all I want. Let's talk really quickly about uh, Equipping Generations for the King, because that's another conference that's coming up here. At oh, yeah. the Ark Encounter, um, May 8th through 12th. No, well, no, I have to wash your mouth out with soap. Uh-oh. We don't call it a conference. Oh, that's right. It's experience. Experience. That's right. I'm right? sorry. This is not your typical that's homeschool right. <laughs> conference. It's a homeschool Well, this experience. isn't your typical place, the Ark Encounter, right. or the Creation Museum. So we do all these different sorts of workshops, and we have live animal programs, yep. and we have all sorts of specialists doing all sorts of different things. And we also have the Ark, of course, and the Creation Museum. And actually... When people register for this as a family, um, we we don't do this any other time of year, but we give them unlimited visit tickets for both attractions oh for goodness. seven days. Oh, my goodness. Right? For seven days. And you need seven days and to see it all. I mean, yeah. I, people need to understand that. It, it, and then they can go to all the various yeah. things. And, you know, a lot of the workshops get booked out uh, early, but there's lots of different ones that we have, and we put some of them on in the the big auditorium we have, yep. so everyone gets access to them, things yep. like and that. you're speaking there. Um, I'm uh, speaking Alex there. Alex Kendrick's going to be there. Um, there's this weird woman, Heidi St. John's <laughs> going to be speaking there. I don't know who she is. She sounds like sure. trouble. So apparently you're coming back. We're going to put up with you again. Yeah, you're, you're going to put up with back. me again, all over and again. And Martin Isles from Australia, who is, he's been the leading Christian light in Australia, actually, uh, for, for calling people to back to God's word and ardent creationists. Uh, Barry Wilmore. He's a he's an astronaut, and he's actually uh, been on the space shuttle. Um, Amazing. The, uh, gone up to the space station, and he's going up again. In, in uh, I, I'm not sure when. I think he's on the new Boeing uh, oh, wow. craft that's going oh, up. Wow. Um, that's exciting. And then Alex Kendrick. Everyone should know Alex Kendrick yeah, from Courageous. From, he's from a filmmaker. The movies. Mm-hmm. And so he'll be here. Um, Israel uh, Wayne, who's in. Um, very much on about the family mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and teaching the family. So, mm-hmm. yeah, equipping generations for the king, May eight to twelve. You want a homeschool experience different to any other? Even if you've gone to a homeschool conference, that's fine. This is more than a conference. This is an experience. It really is an experience, and it gives parents the opportunity to to actually bring their children and spend their money here, and they can feel right. good about it. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to you know giving your money to woke Disney, they're going to take your money, and then the money that you give them, they're going to turn on injure children with it. Right. And that's exactly. exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's exactly Exactly what's happening. Well, I can't wait to come back. Uh, I love hanging out here at uh, Answers in Genesis. And I think as as the world continues, and I've said this many times, and I know you agree, the world may be in crisis, but God's people don't need to be. Right. We know the answers, and the, the answers are found in knowing the Word and of God. And you know what? No matter how bad things are, God has entrusted us with resources, whether mm-hmm. they be material resources, gifts, all sorts of gifts, whether it's teaching or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And when Jesus told that parable, 
about the nobleman who entrusted resources to his servants that he said, I'm going away and uh, I'll come back. That's but right. do business till I return. Yeah, he said, occupy we, until I come back. We need to know we should be doing the business of the king until he returns. So don't look around and get depressed and say, woe is me, what are we going to do? And don't disengage so because you, don't you're waiting disengage, for the rapture. Get out there and do the business of the king. Training your own children, impacting others, do the business of the king till he returns. Mm. Ken Ham, you are a treasure uh, to the kingdom, and it's just such a delight to be here. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with me and encouraging my audience today. Hey, great to be with you. We'll do it again soon. If you want more information on the conference that is coming up May 8th through 12th, go to HeidiStJohn.com or hop on over to Answers in Genesis. You want to register for Equipping Generations for the King. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.